everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. And today I'm really excited to talk to you about how to avoid burnout in ministry. Whether you're just witnessing to someone, or you're leading a Bible study, or you're even just teaching Sunday school, or you're leading a full-time large-scale ministry, a lot of times we're susceptible to becoming exhausted and weary in the work that God has called us to do. So I want to look at some things that God has taught me throughout these past 20 plus years in ministry. There have been so many moments when I've been tempted to become burned out, become overwhelmed, become exhausted. There are some key biblical principles that I have had to learn that has kept me continuing to say yes to the call of God on my life, even when emotionally and physically, I didn't always feel like continuing to say yes. I remember being invited to speak at a Christian event, and Eric and I were both invited to speak there. And 10 years later, the host called us again and wanted us to come back and speak. And he said he was so surprised to learn that we were still in full-time ministry because he said most people, he said, I've been hosting this event for 20 or 30 years. I can't remember. It was a long time. And most of the speakers and people that we have come and minister uh, 10 years later or 15 years later, when we try to reconnect with them, they're not even they're not even in ministry anymore. Sometimes they're not even walking with the Lord anymore because burnout is such a common thing in the church today. And so he was actually really surprised that 10 years later, Eric and I were still going strong in our Christianity and in our ministry. But really, I can understand why so many people burn out because if you don't have the right spiritual tools, if you don't have those key biblical principles, then you can quickly um, just be eaten up for lunch by the enemy and by just the intensity of what you're stepping into. And again, you don't have to be in full-time official ministry to face this. You can simply be an outward-focused person attempting to share Christ with the people in your daily life and still be tempted to become weary and be burned out. So let's look at some key principles that can help us stay the course when it comes to fulfilling the call of God on our lives. First of all, it's so important to have the right expectations of what ministry really is. And the first practical that I could give you is be ready for the battle. We so often envision ministry as this easy, comfortable experience that's just going to bring personal fulfillment into our lives. And I think honestly, when I first started in ministry, when Eric and I first started as a young married couple, we were not at all ready for the battle. We had this idea that we would be, you know, going from church to church and meeting so many like-minded Christians and they would just be super receptive to our message and we would just build friendships with godly people all around the country. And it didn't actually work that way. We, we were very disillusioned at what we saw in the churches and behind the scenes and the apathy and the mediocrity and the compromise. And even after about a year of traveling and, and being in so many different churches, I was on the edge of burnout and disillusionment. I wasn't prepared at all for the battle. I didn't recognize that I had stepped into a battlefield. The end me does not want any of us to take a bold stand for truth, to share the message of the gospel, to share the message of hope that Christ brings through our life or through our words. And he is going to try to discourage us and weaken us the moment that we begin. And again, even if you don't feel that the ministry you have is large or significant, 
even if you are touching one life with the love of Christ, with the hope of the gospel, it is a threat to the enemy. And he's going to do everything that he can to get you to want to give up. And many Christians find that their lives are relatively smooth until they step out in ministry. And then suddenly it's like what Eric and I described it as like hitting a hornet's nest with a baseball bat and then realizing your feet are stuck in cement and you can't run away and you're just being swarmed. You're being attacked. Things are just sort of hitting you all at one time. And it's really, really hard to cope with that when you're not spiritually prepared for it. But the good news is that we are not helpless against these attacks from the enemy. We are equipped for the battle if we'll simply use the battle weapons that God has provided for us. He has given us the authority to resist the enemy. And the Bible says that when we resist, the enemy must flee from us. Not might flee, but must flee. And God also tells us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And one of the most important things that you can do before stepping into any kind of ministry or evangelism is to take the authority that you have in Christ and resist the enemy from interfering with the work that God has called you to do. So before you sit down to mentor someone, before you start your Bible study group, before you teach a Sunday school class, before you go on a mission trip, before you go out witnessing, or even before you do behind the scenes office work for a church or a ministry organization, it may seem insignificant, but it's building the kingdom of God and it will come under attack. So take the time to intentionally put on the armor of God and resist the enemy's interference before it begins. You could read more about that in Ephesians 6 through 11, but it's so important to be freshly reminded of your position in Christ and to remember that you are stepping into a battle and only when you have the right spiritual tools in place can you really be successful in the battle. If you try to go into ministry expecting a picnic instead of a battlefield, you're going to be knocked off your feet. But if you're equipped with the spiritual tools to stand strong in Christ, to take the authority that he has given you and push the enemy back, you will have the strength to persevere. This was one of the most important things that Eric and I had to learn to avoid burnout and exhaustion was simply to take a stand against the enemy's harassments. The second practical that I want to share with you is be ready to sacrifice. I knew a girl once who went overseas to do some missionary work and she had envisioned, you know, a fun experience. She wanted to connect with these cute, adorable orphan children overseas and really feel like she was doing something good with her life. And she envisioned, you know, posting these great pictures of herself with these orphan children on her Facebook page and sending these amazing stories home to her friends and family through her blog or her newsletter. And when she got to this country, which was an impoverished country, the conditions there were so far below what she was expecting. The orphan children were not cute and cuddly and grateful. They were difficult. They had all sorts of emotional and physical issues. And she was not ready for the sacrifice of missionary work. And so many of us, I think, step into ministry for our own personal benefit, for our own personal fulfillment, for a sense of, hey, I'm doing something good with my life. And, you know, we want to brag about it to other people. But if that's our motive for stepping into ministry or sharing the gospel or doing any kind of mission work, then we're definitely going to fall flat on our face because the reality is that 
when we give hope to other people, when we step out as ambassadors for Christ, we have to be willing to sacrificially love just as he loved us. And if we're in it for our own personal benefit, it's going to be a very rude awakening to realize this is not a glamorous experience. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India for over 40 years, wrote this, if I put my own happiness and well-being before the work entrusted to me, if, though I have this ministry and have received much mercy, I faint, then I know nothing of Calvary love. It's so powerful because if we put our own happiness and our own whims and desires and comfort above the work that is entrusted to us, we're only going to end up disillusioned and exhausted and burned out because we're getting into ministry for the wrong reasons. When Amy Carmichael was a young woman before she went to India, she was in Ireland and she started this ministry to young factory worker girls who were very poor. And she called this this building that they were building the Welcome Hall and she would teach them life skills and teach them the gospel. It was a really great ministry. And she she was connected with a lot of wealthy Christians in that part of Ireland. And when people came and they wanted to be a part of her ministry and volunteer, she would always ask them why they wanted to and, and really find out their motives. If they were just in it for a sense of doing something good, doing their Christian duty and feeling like they checked something off their list, like, hey, I, I did something good for the poor or for selfish reasons so that they could boast about it to others, she wouldn't accept them. It was only when they were willing to serve unnoticed, unseen, unappreciated behind the scenes and for the glory of God and for his sake and not their own benefit that she would accept them into her work. And that's how she lived all of her missionary life. It was so inspiring to me because she chose that sacrificial love. She had a lot of opportunities to choose uh, personal success over sacrificial love, but she always chose sacrificial love. So again, it's easy to get into ministry for the wrong reasons, to envision receiving applause and recognition or to gain that personal fulfillment that we want. But if it's for the sake of our own happiness, we're going to get weary and burned out the minute that things become challenging. There are a lot of rewards that can come from being in ministry, but I will say after 20 years that there are many, many difficulties. And if you're not expecting those difficulties and you're you're sort of looking at, at the difficulties and saying, hey, this is not what I signed up for, then you're really not ready to be in ministry. Choosing ministry means choosing a harder road. So if you're in ministry and things have become challenging, I encourage you to remember Amy Carmichael's words, if I put my own happiness above the work entrusted to me, and be reminded afresh why you're doing this in the first place. Is it to make you happy or to bring glory to Jesus Christ? Answering that simple question can put everything into perspective and give you the strength and the courage that you need to keep going when you feel like giving up. And a side note, I would say, don't always think that the grass is going to be greener somewhere else. You know, so often we're not content in the role that God has given us or the task that he's put in front of us. And we think that if we could just find that perfect church, find that perfect ministry opportunity, find that perfect thing out there, it's everything's going to be easy and perfect. But the reality is it's only when we are serving with the right motive that we can gain that contentment. And any type of ministry that you get into is going to have its own unique sets of challenges. So don't look at other opportunities and say, well, if I could only be doing that kind of ministry, I'd be happier. Really learn how to serve where God has you. And if he wants to move you on, let him do that in his own time and way. But don't feel like you're looking for that one perfect thing that's going to just, you know, be the perfect fit and you'll never have any conflict or difficulty because something like that simply doesn't exist. 
The third practical that I can give you is to go after God's grace. I once heard a workout teacher say to her class, when you do this workout, get into the mindset of an athlete and it's not supposed to be easy because easy does not get results. I think that's a profound statement when it comes to sharing the gospel and serving others. We have to get into the mindset of a spiritual athlete and realize it's not supposed to be easy. Easy and comfortable with no challenge, no difficulties, that is not going to bring life-changing results. So often we want ministry to fit into a nice, neat little box that doesn't inconvenience us in any way. We might treat it like a fun side hobby that we can just sort of take out and do whenever we're in the mood for it. And, you know, when it just adds some interest and enjoyment to our self-focused lives, but gospel-centered ministry ministry is nothing like that. It's not meant to be an easy, comfortable hobby. It's a cross. It's taking up our cross and following him daily. If you think about the life of Christ, his earthly ministry was not easy. It didn't fit into a neat little box. Often he and his disciples didn't even have time to stop and eat. He had no place to rest his head. And even when he sought to get alone away from the crowds, the crowds followed him and called after him. He was mocked and he was hated by the leaders of that day. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed and he was crucified. And then he asked us to take up our cross and follow in his steps. So, wow, what have we signed up for here? And then look at the Apostle Paul's ministry. You could never use the word easy to describe his ministry life. He carried weights more intense than most of us could ever imagine. If you just listen to his list of ministry challenges, he says, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches." Wow. Now, for most of us, myself included, when I read that list, (laughs) I think, wow, even one of those things, I would probably really need a long recovery time. And a lot of us think, yeah, I'd need like 10 years of counseling to get over some of those things. But what did Paul have? What was his secret that allowed him to go through that much difficulty and still have triumph and joy? It was God's grace. Paul was abundantly joyful. He was content. He was strong through all of those absolutely unbelievable trials because God's grace rested upon him. And I really believe that when it comes to ministry and even just the Christian life, it's not ease that we should be going after, but grace. God's amazing grace can equip us to joyfully handle weights that we can never handle on our own. And if you haven't heard me define grace in previous episodes, it's not really just the hug of God or the mercy of God. Grace is the supernatural enabling power that God gives us to say yes to the calling on our lives, to do what we could never do in our own strength. He gives us grace to follow in his footsteps and take up 
his cross. In modern Christianity, we often hear these kinds of self-coddling messages like, slow down, take it easy, don't try to prove anything to anyone, you'll just get burned out, take care of yourself, don't just focus on other people all the time, take time for you, etc. But when you take a look at the life of Jesus and of Paul, it's hard to justify this take care of you, take care of you, take care of you message when you look at the sacrificial, poured out, cross-bearing lives that they lived. Now, of course, we should never become too busy to sit at Jesus' feet like Martha showed us. And I agree that we should not take on commitments in order to prove something to others or to God. Making space in our lives for reflection and solitude is important, but we shouldn't use those things as an excuse to reject the narrow way of the cross that God has called us to and to choose ease over becoming a grace-filled spiritual athlete. So becoming a spiritual athlete is not trying to earn something, earn God's favor, or earn human approval by impressive discipline and good works. Becoming a spiritual athlete simply means counting the cost, taking up our cross, following the narrow self-sacrificing way of Jesus Christ, enabled and empowered by his grace. If you want to know more about what that looks like, I would encourage you to read some of the biographies throughout Christian history that have been written. Some of my favorites are C.T. Studd, Amy Carmichael, Gladys Ilward, Mary Slessor, and Hudson Taylor. Those specific people have really stood out to me as men and women who relied on God's grace and were spiritual athletes and took on more than what most of us would think is humanly possible, but they did it with peace and with joy because of God's grace. Remember, only those who have chosen the narrow way of the cross can desire that kind of life of being a spiritual athlete, choosing to put the sacred work of the gospel above your own personal comforts and happiness. But once you choose that narrow way. Once you open yourself up to say, Lord, by your grace, I want to live that sacrificial life. I want to become a spiritual athlete for your glory. You actually begin to love the adventure of that cross-centered life and not dread it. So I pray that by God's grace, at the end of our lives, you and I can say along with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So keep those three principles in mind. If you're, if you're teetering on the edge of burnout right now, remember the answer may not be just, you know, coddling yourself. It's actually turning to the amazing truth that is found in God's word and relying on his grace and he can renew your strength. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know more about living a Christ-centered life, I encourage you to join us this summer. Coming up really soon, we have our Set Apart Conference, May 25th and 26th in Colorado. We still have some on-campus spots available if you'd like to join us in person, or you can join us anywhere in the world via simulcast. And if you choose to register for a simulcast, you can stream it all throughout this year and share it with others in your life. But there is a deadline to register, both for for the on-campus spots and for the simulcast. So please visit setapartgirl.com and I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.